listening to the Oil & Gas This Week podcast with Mark LaCour and Paige Wilson. This is the show for busy oil pros who quickly want to keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. You're listening to the Oil & Gas This Week podcast brought to you by IPM. This is the show for busy oil pros who want to quickly keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. Thanks for joining us for episode 272. What's up, Mark? Well, you're feeling better, sort of. Yeah, cause sort of, kind of. Yeah. In a wacky way. Mm. No extreme weather. Well, I mean, it's under the hundreds, finally. Yeah. So it's a good day. Yeah. We could use some rain, though. Speaking of using stuff, we got a review. You want to read it? No, you can read yeah. it. <laughs> it's from Fact Checker. It's a four-star review. Episode 268, F-16 on full afterburner does not burn 1,500 gallons every 27 seconds. That would be ridiculous. A quick Google search tells you at max afterburner, an F-16 can burn two gallons a second, which is 54 gallons per 27 seconds. Apart from that, good show. So I have to go back and listen, but I'm pretty sure I didn't say gallons. So you measure aircraft fuel in, in pounds. I'm pretty sure I said 1,500 pounds, but that doesn't get me out of trouble. Even if I said 1,500 pounds, I, the number's wrong. So fact checker, you're right. I am going to go back and listen, though, because typically when I talk about aircraft fuel, I say pounds, not gallons. I don't know. Sometimes you just say stuff because it comes out your mouth. So, <laughs> you know. But anyway, audience, this type of stuff we love to see. Thank you very much, fact checker. Anytime we get something wrong... Let us know, make sure that we can go back and correct it so that we educate you, our audiences, and also ourselves. And actually, since your handle on Apple Podcast Reviews is Fact Checker. That's the title. His name is Simon OMV. Oh, that's right. Via Apple Podcasts. Oh, well. Great Britain. I was going to offer him a job as being a fact checker for this show because we could use one sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) We need more fact checkers, said no one ever. You ready to get the news stories? Yeah. First one. One of my favorite people in the world. Governor Newsom is banning oil production in California as President Biden travels to the Middle East to ask other countries to send us some more of their oil. Yeah, so this all got started because Governor Newsom put a a TV ad out like you see a lot of governors do, talking about why the people from Florida should want to move to the state of California. Now, Boy, that is that ballsy. (laughs) Well, our governor does it a lot. Right? Yeah, but you don't see DeSantis going into whatever. Anyway. No, no. And it was really funny because they try to make California like a great place to do business, which it, honestly it used to be, but it's not anymore. There are a few things that Governor Newsom forgot to mention about a state on the ad because when I watched it, I forgot to mention that California's electricity rates are twice as high as what it is in Florida. I forgot to mention they pay $1.65 per gallon more for gasoline than people pay in Florida. Got to mention that in four years, California will start banning internal combustion engine cars and even hybrid cars, even though they have no way to build the infrastructure support that in the electric vehicles and electric vehicles only for wealthy people. He forgot to mention he's banning oil production, especially while President Biden's in the Middle East asking for more oil production. Fist bumping away. Yeah. So, you know, and don't get me wrong, California, your state is gorgeous. I love California, but your current troubles, your economic troubles, your the loss of major businesses. The cost of living there is all because of your politics. And so I just thought it was kind of ironically funny that Newsom tried to troll the governor of Florida, where the truth is that they're rocking and rolling in Florida. Their economy's on a boom. In fact, not only is their economy on a boom, they have a surplus of money. And you know what they're thinking about doing with that surplus of money? Hmm. They're thinking about taking half of it. So not all of it, half of it, and divide it up in the state, just giving everybody that's a resident there a check just because. Oh. How cool is that? Yeah. It's not a subsidy. It's not coming out of some tax dollars. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's it's, what I was it's, wondering. They have so much surplus in their budget, they think they should give it back to the tax holders, which I think is a great idea. Cool. All right. 
So next one is new OPEC Secretary General takes office. Yeah, so if you remember, it's been a few shows ago, I talked about Mohammed Sansui of Barkdo, who passed away, who I thought was a great member of OPEC. He tried to do things fairly. He came up from a poor agrarian lifestyle in Nigeria and unfortunately passed away a little while ago. Well, this is his replacement. Let's see if I get the name right. Hatham al Gaius of Kuwait. Now, he has a long history of working for the Kuwaiti oil company. He has a really good understanding. I believe, I may be wrong, I believe he's also a petroleum engineer. And so the fact that he has that type of domain expertise is cool coming in to fill this spot. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. OPEC is facing a lot of strong headwinds right now, and they need some very strong leadership. The thing is, I don't know if this guy actually has that strong leadership ability. What we don't need in OPEC right now is another person that follows the sheep, right? That follows the herd. We need people that can think fairly, that can understand the headwinds that are blowing toward OPEC, and they can understand that, you know, this world's going to be in an energy shortage for the next couple of years, and that put hydrocarbons are really the only solution for that, short-term and long-term. And let's see if OPEC can actually help a little bit. And when I say OPEC, I really should be saying OPEC plus, but this time I'm not saying OPEC plus because what's going on in Russia and Ukraine, I think, is going to keep Russia from being able to cooperate with this. So let's see where he goes. You know, I'm hoping OPEC will be able to increase production. They're tapped out, in my opinion, but they have the reserves. They just have to be able to, to spend the money and build the infrastructure to get those reserves out of the ground and get them on the market. So fingers crossed they're actually able to do that. So we need a leader, not a follower. We need a leader, saying. not a follower, 100%. Cool. Right on. All right, so next one is Senator Sanima. Key to passing Schumer Matchin bill or whatever, Mansion, whatever the guy's <laughs> name is. Yeah. So this was the inflation, what is it called? Inflation Act. That's really has inflation recovery, recovery or something, which something has like almost that. nothing to do with inflation. And this was the one holdout, and this is the vote they needed to get it passed, which I think as of Friday, it's they've got enough votes in there and they're getting it passed. So, you know Inflation Reduction Act. Inflation Reduction Act. We're gonna talk about this later in a show because I'm a little upset about something. But, you know, Chuck Schulmer and Joe Mosh, and they issued a joint statement saying that they've agreed to the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022 and the Budget Reciliation Bill. And like I said, I think the vote has passed as of Friday, right? Or is it, are they coming? No, it's coming no, that up came for a vote. Oh, no. Senate passed it today. Senate passed it today. Okay. All right. And all right. today is August 7th. Yeah. Now, there's parts in here that they call the Energy Stimulation Bill. And it's really more subsidies for wind and solar. They did make a concession on allowing more pipelines to be built. And then they're supposed to allow some leases to be sold in the Gulf of Mexico. So for our industry, it is by no means a win. But at the same time, they didn't completely shut us out. All I can say, Paige, is the midterm elections can't get here quick enough. I'm telling you, I couldn't agree more. All right. So next one is NOCs, not big oil or responsible for most emissions. Yeah, nationalized oil companies. So think of Abu Dhabi, Petrobras, Pemex, Rosnet, all the nationalized C-Noc. oil companies. Yeah. And so the thing you have to understand, and you hear me say this on the show before, and I guess I never boiled it down to the actual countries and the cultures there. But basically, we'll take a China national oil company, right? This is the point I used to say, I'm not picking on you, China, but I'm actually, I'm picking on you today, China. They don't care about the environment. They literally could care less, right? They care about making profits and getting hydrocarbons out of the ground. And the standards that here in Europe we hold to health, safety, environment, they, they literally don't care. You look at a job site there and there's crude everywhere. The people that are, the workers are covered in crude. They could care less about flaring. In fact, a lot of times they don't even flare. If you don't know this, flaring is a way to mitigate releasing that natural gas right. and burn it off. Mm-hmm. They just vent it to the atmosphere, which is 100 times worse than flaring. 
And so some of the nationalized oil companies have done a good job of running clean operations. Most of them, unfortunately, don't. So they run a scale, but none of them come close to the American and European super majors. Here in the U.S., we produce the cleanest hydrocarbon molecules in the world, bar none. Nobody can come close to us That's because we try. These nationalized oil companies, a lot of times, don't even try. They could. The technology's there. They just don't want to. It's a hindrance to their business. It gets in the way of profit making. Profit making. And even the ones that aren't for profit, which a lot of them, you know, you think about Abu Dhabi, where the money goes back to the royal family and to the country, that still funds the budget to run the country. And unfortunately, especially in places like the Middle East, a lot of that money has to go to social programs to keep the young people busy so they don't radicalize. And so it's like this endless drone of making money, pumping it to the government, creating construction jobs so young people have jobs. One of the things that's changed and it's really interesting to watch is, I'm not picking on you Middle East because the same things happen in Mexico, is that a lot of young people, because they were raised in a wealthy environment, they don't want to work now. So it's going to be interesting to see in the future with the culture if it used to be you used government money to keep people working so they wouldn't radicalize and now they don't want to go to work. What's going to happen? I don't know. But to get back on this story, when you look at the amount of air pollution and water pollution and land pollution that goes on, the U.S. and Europe is almost zero, right? And when we do make a mistake, we clean it up. A lot of the national oil companies, they don't care. They ruin acres and acres of land. They ruin swamps and streams and they dump stuff in the ocean. And nobody's posting on social media yeah. about that. Yeah, no. Because you're probably going to get in a lot of trouble. You're probably going to get killed, yeah. quite frankly. They don't plug and abandon at all. Right. They just wow. the, Yeah. And so and so if you're really looking at wanting to make this world a cleaner place, we're there. Right. U.S. and Europe. But we can't there. do it by ourselves. Right. So you need to focus your attention on the other countries that don't care about cleaning the environment, that don't care about the safety of their people. Right. And this is a perfect article to explain all the details, how that works. Now, don't get me wrong. There's some NOCs that, that actually care. They're doing a good job, but most of them don't. And then, like I said, some of them are really just horrendous at that. So, you know, when you hear me tell the thing I say all the time about, have you ever heard of a Russian or Chinese oil spill? The answer is no. This is what I'm talking about. So when you look at most emissions from our industry, from the oil and gas industry, it doesn't come from here in Europe. It comes from the rest of the world. Right. Yeah. Makes sense to me. All right. So we talked about this last week. Chinese top battery maker halts North American planes after Pelosi visit to Taiwan. Okay. This is one of the two articles here that really bothered me. Why did she go to Taiwan? She has nothing to do with foreign affairs. She went to Taiwan. She's taunting them. She's so taunting China. She went there to hope that something happened to distract American voters from upcoming midterms, right? To distract American voters from the price they're paying at the pump, distract them for the price they're paying for food, for housing, and all And this bill they just passed. Yeah, yeah, and the bill they just passed. She had no reason to go there. And when you're in an international situation like Taiwan and China where there's a bunch of tension, and we all know there's been a bunch of tension, and the U.S. is the only country that would probably back Taiwan up, you don't poke the tiger, right? And well, she, nobody's been there in 25 years. Yeah. And so, you know, and what bothers me most about this, forget the politics and everything else, her actions put American servicemen and women in danger, the ones yep. that had to guard her. And whatever happens because of her visit also puts American servicemen and women in danger. There's no reason to do that for politics. When, when the time is right and we actually warfare is the right solution, 100%. But don't put Americans or any other people in danger for your own political objectives. Well, didn't they shoot off missiles all around the entire country? Well, like around they had, in, the, in the water? Yeah, they had some 
coincidental missile testing mm-hmm. in the area. Mm-hmm. You know, not real worried about all-out war between China and the U.S. because we would win in a very short amount of time. I'm worried about the Chinese slowly taking over, slowly helping to persuade different countries that it's okay for them to take properties in the South China Sea and at some point slowly take over Taiwan. You know, who's going to stop them? Usually it's us. Right. right? And I'm not picking on the Chinese this time. I was the other time. But, you know, we're the only country, whether you think it's right or wrong, that kind of polices the world. When something bad happens, we're the only country that will stand up and go try to fix it. Do we always get it right? No. Do we try to get it right? Yes. You know, so. So to get away from the politic part of it, it's, you know, the first part of this is Chinese top battery maker halts. Yeah, so so I got sidetracked yeah. by her visit. Let me but, get you back on yeah. here. So the company's called CATL, and they're actually one of the largest battery manufacturers in the world, contemporary Amperex technology. And so they're looking for an area in the world to build their next big battery manufacturing facility. And they were looking here in the U.S. predominantly because the U.S. has the largest supply or largest demand for demand, batteries for, right. for electric vehicles because we're a prosperous, wealthy nation. And so they were getting ready to make an announcement that they were going to build in the U.S. and they were going to you know, pick a site and all that sort of stuff. Well, since Pelosi decided to play a visit, they've all of a sudden decided to pull that announcement back and they're reevaluating. And actually, if, if this article is legit, they're saying they're looking really hard at Mexico, which makes total sense to me. You have a cheaper cost of labor yep. and you're right across the border from the U.S. Mm-hmm. anyway. So, you know, by her visiting there, you know, there's a whole bunch of jobs that look like they're going to be lost that would have been here in the U.S. So, you know, once again. Well, it kind of goes back to what I was saying last week was that, you know, if China decides we're not going to have solar, we're not going to have wind because all those parts are made there. Right. So it just comes back to that. And all this is a bunch of crap. And they need to stop taunting people. Tell us how (sighs) you really feel, Paige. I'll tell you that on Behind the Curtain. Anyway, (laughs) Freeport LNG to restart most production by October. Yeah. If you remember right, they had an explosion on June 8th. And what they did, which is the right thing to do, is they shut the plant completely down to do a root cause analysis and then to make sure that they test everything so that something like this doesn't happen again. And so it looks like they're going to be able to come back online in October, which is awesome because – this LNG plant is one of the largest ones in the world and is the largest one in the U.S. And Europe is depending on Freeport to get them LNG to get through this winter. And so, you know, since it's been down since July, hundreds of millions of tons of LNG had not been shipped to Europe that it should have been. They're going to come back online. Looks like they have all three liquefaction trains and up and running. Their loading dock will be up and running. It looks like they'll be able to get about 2 billion cubic feet a day out the door. So they'll be able to meet their contractual obligations to the buyers that have already bought in Europe. The problem is they're not going to be able to supply as much because of this lag time. And once again, Europe's heading to its winter. You know what's going on with Ukraine and Russia. You know the dependence Europe has on Russian gas to keep their people warm. So congratulations, Freeport, for number one, getting this thing figured out. Number two, for getting operations back up a little bit quicker than they thought they were able to. Let's see if they can actually maybe oversupply. We'll come back and check the story again because Europe is dependent on us to get them this LNG. And of course, since this is Oil and Gas this Week and is a news show, we have breaking news. Looks like Turkey has agreed to pay for Russian gas with rubles. The problem with that is the U.S. dollar has been the currency of the oil and gas industry since its conception. And it's been the currency of choice because of the stability provided by Federal Reserve. By Turkey agreeing right now, literally just a few seconds ago, to pay for Russian gas with rubles, you're now strengthening the ruble, the Russian currency, which if enough people start doing this, then it's going to help Russia actually be more profitable and help their economy not suffer as much from the sanctions. So we're going to keep a really close eye on this. Right, 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 right. 
And I'll have to add that to the show notes. All right, so back to our regularly scheduled, well, I guess this week episode. Hess makes oil discovery in U.S. Gulf of Mexico. So this is what's something called high-impact drilling. And if I remember right, somebody correct me if I'm wrong, I think that's when your production is 100 million barrels of oil a day or higher. So this isn't a small discovery. This is an enormous discovery. And let me tell you what's really cool about this. This is an area where they already have production, right? So their tie back and being able to bring it back to shoreside is easy. They have existing pipelines. So really good job here, Hess. A lot of geoscience went in here. Now, of course, as usual, the risk has been spread. So Hess is the operator, but Chevron and Shell are both involved. This thing, they each have 30%. And this is in the Green Canyon, if you know the Gulf of That's Mexico. That's over there by Bullwinkle. Right by Bullwinkle, 100%. Yeah, I used to work yeah. for the company that operated yeah. that. And so. here's what's really cool. So now that they've made this discovery with all their other production facilities here in the U.S., they're forecasting to do about 30,000 barrels oil equivalent per day. That's a lot. And remember, this is an independent, right? This isn't one of the super majors. So good job, Hess. Yeah. All right. So next one. Is high-impact exploration up with most wells expected since 2019? I just talked about that. Honestly, this is a coincidence. I didn't realize (laughs) this was in here. Surprise. So high-impact exploration up with most wells expected. This means there's more very large production facilities. Like I said, 100 million barrels a day plus to be considered high-impact. Looks like they drilled 38 wells in the first half of 2022, and it's set to finish highest since 2019, according to Westwood Energy. The interesting thing about a lot of these wells is the basins are old established basins. So what's happening is we're going to find recoverable oil in places that we had depleting reservoirs. And if you don't know this, people, you know, what should happen in 2020 kind of messed this up and then our politics didn't help it. During normal times, the oil and gas companies, both here in Europe and the national oil companies like I just talked about, they don't spend the money to look at where all the recoverable oil is in the world. That's a waste of time. They spend the money to find recoverable oils over the next five or 10 years, right? And then next year, they look out another year and so on and so on. So they always have barrels under reserve, which is a legal term. Well, that means that nobody knows how much hydrocarbons are on the earth, right? Because nobody's done the science yet. What's cool about this is this is showing how with more modern technologies, you can go into mature basins, still find very recoverable oil. A very, This is actually very high quality oil. And so you know, it just goes to show you that the old peak oil theory that the scientists by Shell came up with in the 50s, as close as they thought it could based on the data they had back then, but the reserves that we have now and the technology to find those gets better and better and better. I sincerely believe that the earth will run out of hydrocarbons right about the time the sun runs out of hydrogen. So no worries there, people. But I just think this is awesome that they're having this many high-impact wells done. All right. So next one is OPEC Plus answers Biden's request for oil with minuscule output hike. So this is funny. So if you watch the news, you saw that U.S. President Joe Biden went to OPEC asking them to increase production to help American consumers at the pump and also with everything else that's going on in the world. And so the cartel said they'll add 100,000 barrels a day. You want to guess, Paige, what type of record this broke? What? It's the smallest increase ever in the history of OPEC. (laughs) Now, there's two ways you can look at that being the smallest increase ever. One is they're kind of messing with the U.S., right? Oh, absolutely. Number two, that's all they could add. And that's what I think it is. I really think they're tapped out. Like I said, they have a lot of recoverable oil, but they have to drill some wells. They have to build some infrastructure. And a lot of the member countries of OPEC have had so much war and strife that the infrastructure has been destroyed. And you got to go back and build that stuff. Even though you can drill a well and hit oil, you got to be able to move it. If you can't move it, you can't do anything with it. So I just think it's funny that this is the smallest increase in production ever. 
it's not going to affect prices at the pump at the U.S. at all. Actually, it's not going to affect. Of course anything. not. All right. But, you know, at least the current administration could come back and say they got to win. They asked OPEC to increase production and they actually did increase production. We need more of this sort of stuff. We need less political sort of stuff, right? Amen. Yeah. The world's going through an energy shortage right now. And it's going to get worse, especially in Europe as we hit winter. The growth and demand for hydrocarbon and for energy is going up faster than we can supply it. And that's going to happen. That's going to continue for at least the next couple of years. And I still sincerely believe that our industry, oil and gas industry, is on a 10-year bull run. You know, once we finally get out of this economic downturn, once this inflation finally gets under control here in the U.S., which could take four or five years, the planet's going to grow again. You know, you have countries like China and Vietnam and India, their populations going to want to move into cities that have modern Western lifestyles. And all that's require a ton of energy. And right now, the only way to supply that ton of energy reliably is with hydrocarbons. Don't get me wrong. I love renewables. They're part of the mix and in the right place, like here but in Texas. But you need hydrocarbons for those two, yeah. two yeah. work. So, you know, just think that this is kind of funny that OPEC did answer Biden's request for oil with the smallest <laughs> hike output in the history of the cartel. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's hysterical. Projects announced to expand Permian natural gas capacity. We're back. <laughs> so this is rocking and rolling. we got so many new pipeline projects. And remember, pipelines are the safest way to move anything, not just oil and gas, but water, sewage, palm oil, you know, kerosene, anything you want to move around. So Gulf Coast Express pipeline expansion by Kinder Morgan will expand capacity to over a half a billion cubic foot a day. we got the Permian Highway pipeline expansion, which looks like Kinder Morgan's finally made their FID, their final investment decision, which is actually increased by another half a billion cubic feet a day. This must be on state land, huh? Yes. Good. We have the Whistler Pipeline Capacity Expansion. is a joint venture between Stowe Peak and West Texas Gas that's put in newer high-performance compressor stations, increasing capacity by a little bit over half a billion cubic feet per day. They expect to actually go into service next month, September. Then we have the Manhattan Express Pipeline. It's a joint venture. That's going to be a 490-mile-long pipeline, able to transfer about 2.5 billion cubic feet a day of natural gas. Oh, to Katy. To Katy, yeah. That's like right there. Yeah. They're expected to go into service the end of next year. Got Oasis Pipelines going by Energy Transfer Partners. They're adding another 0.6 billion cubic feet a day of takeaway in the Permian. And then the EIA is saying this trend is just going to continue. So this is what we need. We need the ability to move these hydrocarbons around either from where the fields where they're, where they're produced or to the refineries. And then the ability to export them to our coast so we can share the world, the wealth of natural gas and, and oil that we have in this country. So I just love the fact that with all the anti-oil and gas sentiment, with the public outcries, with our own government not being helpful, these projects are funded, they're underway, and they're going to take place. We need this. The ability to move more hydrocarbons out of the Permian, it just benefits not only here in the U.S., it benefits the world. So this is awesome. Speaking of not awesome, though, U.S. Department of Energy announces $32 million to reduce methane emissions from the oil and gas sector. Okay, so in the show notes, I'm actually going to place the actual Inflation Reduction Act. So remember, this act that we're all paying for our taxes is supposed to reduce inflation. And hidden in there is something called methane emissions charge, right? So this is basically a tax on methane, right? This methane tax is buried in this article. I'm going to try to give you a link to get as close to it as possible. So that's going to increase the cost of energy in the U.S. at least a billion dollars a year, basically taxing methane. It's also the first time the government has taxed what they consider a greenhouse gas from the production, right? So is the next step they're going to tax the carbon dioxide that we breathe out? That we, is, we each breathe out about three pounds of carbon dioxide a yeah. day as a human, right? So this is super dangerous territory. 
what's going to happen is these costs are naturally going to be passed on to the consumer. That's you and I. You know, we're hoping that gasoline prices will go down. Not now. They won't. Not with this thing passed. And the whole idea is it's supposed to curve inflation. This is going to only increase inflation, right? And so what they're doing, I sincerely believe, is they're trying to make the pain at the pump so bad that people think that electric cars and renewables are the way to go, which is not. Because when we go that way too fast, we've all lived through this whole, you know, U.S. and we're, the rest of the world. We're not going through a recession. It's we're making changes, Mark. Well, what's going to happen is if you force this energy transition too fast, we just went through this in the last year. You have a shortage of energy. People can't feed their kids. People can't get to work. People can't afford to drive anywhere. And so people's electricity bills. Yeah. And this is just maddening to me because, like I said earlier, the U.S. produces the cleanest hydrocarbon molecules in the world. And what they're doing with this act, and the fact they hit it bugs the crap out of me, but what they're doing with this act is adding more costs. And remember, I said this years ago that the one thing we don't want our government to do, no matter what side's in power, is add more cost to energy. This is exactly what they're doing. Paige, unfortunately, poor people here and in the rest of the world are going to freeze to death in the winter and bake in the summer because of this. This is horrible. Yeah. Yep. Yep, I'm not so happy about it myself. I cried when I paid taxes last year. So, how do we guess turn this around to a good note? I don't That's know. That's a somber thing to say. How about this? If you're doing your taxes and you need a place to do it in, in private, you can go to the Canon. Walk up to the front desk, say you're a listener of OGG, and they'll let you have a free day pass. Won't try to sell you anything. What's going with the rig count page? Well, that's at least positive. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> well, a couple days ago, it was a little better. It's not bad by any means, but United States is at 764, down three. Canada is down one at 203. Internationally, we're up nine at 833. That's all good news. That's not bad at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah. Well, I just, you know, when you click on it and then you see red, that's just like, oh, crap. Right. Right. Okay. You know the drill. Go to LinkedIn, join OG and Page. We have three new podcasts coming out watching September 30th. Towards the end yeah. of September. All three of them are really interesting. I'm not going to tell you the names of them yet. Eventually, I'll. If they weren't interesting, why would we have them on? That's Mark? true. Well, we're bringing on some new sponsors, too. You know, shout out to Ericsson, shout out to MCloud. You know, we, we got. Do we have contracts? Yeah, we have contracts. Okay. Right? I was so, about to throw this pencil at you. No, so <laughs> OG is, does what it does best. We're growing. Great new shows coming. You just wait another month, you get to see what they are. They're, they're actually really cool. And we got more in the works. Also, and I know I said this last time, I want to say it again. So, first thing, thank you for everybody that's paying the couple dollars a month to listen to me and Paige Ramble after the mic and also listen to me to argue with people that hate our industry, which, by the way, those episodes at the bounce point will drop. Tuesday, which should be the day this drops, right? No. 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 This will go out after we've already dropped all that. So. Okay. So anyway. So go and look at those things because they'll be out by then. Yeah. So thank you for the people that are paying the couple of dollars. I don't know what I'm going to do with that money. At some point, I think I may tie it into one of our podcasts that are going to help underprivileged kids and donate the money to that cause. But I'll let the audience know. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, we did an experiment behind Apple's paywall. When this show is over with, what normally would just be Paige and I walking away, we keep the mics on and we usually we, involves me eating. Yeah. And and we, and we're, we have very explicit conversations. So you get to kind of see behind the scenes and then the balance point as well. And we've had a lot of people sign up for that. So cool. you know, sincerely, thank you. Now for our listeners for Oil and Gas this week, you're not missing any content. We would never charge you for this. We don't talk about anything other than what's going on, you know, rifting. There's no separate news articles. So not asking you to pay for the show. We're just getting into free. Yeah. We're just, yeah. Getting a little extensive into a previous conversation. Yeah. And so love all our audiences. And for our new audience that are contributing to the balance point and to Behind the Curtain, thank you. Yeah. 
All right. Wait. What? If you'd like myself or any of our experts oh. to come speak at your company event, your crawfish boil, your gun range, your kindergarten's graduation. All you have to say is crawfish boil for me. <laughs> Happy to do so. We could do everything from live podcasts. This was actually really popular at a lot of events. We could do keynotes. So just reach out to us. We have to share the details. And then first Friday Q&A questions aren't coming as fast as they used to. So if you have your questions, please either go to oilandgasthisweek.com or OGGN.com. Ask your questions because first Friday Q&A is just right around the corner. It's literally my favorite show, guys. Well, I'll tell you something, Paige. I've had a lot of people say, can you do just a show with just those questions? And we don't get enough questions right. to do that. It literally takes a month to two months right. to get enough questions that are applicable. That to we can read on the air. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I tell you what, if y'all really want us to do that show, do a question answer show by itself, you got to get more people to write in questions. If we can double the amount of questions we get in each month, we'll consider doing a show just around that because this is our most popular shows. Actually, I love them because I never know what's gonna, what somebody's going to ask. Now I'm going to ask for a raise if we have to do that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Ready to get out of here? Yep. Remember, folks, do great work. Pay it forward, and we will see you next time. Tune in next week for another informative and entertaining episode of Oil & Gas This Week podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.